Welcome to Thrive Church. I am so happy to have you here with us today, whether you're uh, with us in person at one of our locations, Torrington, Terryville, New Britain, or online. We welcome you to Thrive Church as we are actually in the final week of our series, uh, Resilient. And next week, we're going to be starting a brand new series called Eye problems, eye problems, not not problems with my eye, but eye problems. And this is all about seeing the world the way God wants us to see it. So we would invite you to come back next week as we begin that new series. But as I said, we're finishing up our series on resilient. And the whole idea of the series is, is that God wants us to have the ability to face the storms of life and bend but not break. Bend and not break. Some of you have been stretched to your limits recently, and you've been bending, but have you broken? Has your life fallen apart? Or are you living a resilient life and able to spring back, to bounce back? So how resilient are you? Now, studies have shown that generosity leads to resilience. The more generous you are, the more resilient you are. Generous people tend to bounce back faster than people who are not as generous. Generous people tend to be happier. Generous people tend to be more fulfilled than those who are not generous. You know, nowhere is resilience more needed than in our finances. You know, we, we go through life and we have these these financial hardships, these things that, that come up against us. Maybe you've had some in your life where, where, you know, at the worst possible time, the coldest day of the year, your hot water heater breaks down. You know, or, or you, you, your furnace gives out or, or your car has a, has a problem and it's going to, you know, the transmission went and it's going to be $2,500 to fix the thing. Maybe there's a, a rate hike in, in one of your utilities or, or maybe you've gotten laid off at work, and you have a financial crisis. Nowhere is resilience needed more these days than in our, the area of our finances, our resources. In, in your notes, if you're taking them, a generous person is a resilient person, though. Someone who gives freely. See, generous people are people who don't hold on to things too tightly. They don't hold on to things. That they, they're, they're very generous. Maybe you know some people like that. I mean, they, they'll give you the shirt off their back. They, they will help even when it hurts. They're generous people. It's like I read about a guy, and he was with a bunch of his buddies at the gym, and, uh, and a phone was ringing on the bench, and he picks it up. He says, hello. And, uh, and a woman says, oh, hi, honey. Uh, I just had a question for you. I'm standing outside of the furrier, and there's this beautiful fur coat, and I was wondering if I could buy it. And the guy says, well, that all depends on how much it is. And, and she says, well, it's $5,000. The guy says, well, sure, absolutely. You know what? Go ahead and get it. And not only get that, I want you to get a matching purse with it as well. And, and, and so, so she's excited. She says, you know, honey, uh, you're seeing me very generous right now. I was also driving by uh, the BMW dealer, and they had a beautiful you know, little car there, and I think it would be perfect for me. He says, you know what, uh, how much is it going to be? She's like, it's only $80,000 out the door. And he says, you know what, get it, but make sure you get it fully loaded. You know, don't leave any accessory 
behind. She says, you know, you're seeing so generous right now, dear. I have one more question. You know, I, I, I would like our, our, my, my mom, you know, your mother-in-law to come live with us, but maybe could she just come for a month and, and try it out? And he says, you know what? That's fine. She can come for a month, but don't ask me for anything else today, okay? And, and she says, oh, I love you so much. I love you too. And he hangs up and he holds up the phone and says, anybody know whose phone this is? Some of you get that later, you know. He answers somebody else's phone. He was, you know, it's easy to be generous with somebody else's resources, isn't it? Um, but here's the thing. When it comes to generosity, these topics are often handled very poorly at church, unfortunately. And in fact, I, I don't know, often speak about it. I don't like to talk about it that much uh, because people have these, these bad ideas about it. In fact, today, uh, on one of my social media accounts, I asked people to share some stories of, of how uh, maybe their church handled the topic of finances poorly. And uh, one, one guy said that, that his church um, actually, you know, some churches, they, they pass a plate around and they collect all, you know, the donations. And said after he collected it around, he said, that, that's not nearly enough. Let's pass this plate around again. I'm like, Wow. Okay, you know, another person said that, that the pastor, they knew, he would, would check on how much, you know, estimate how much people would make at their jobs, and he would show up at their homes, and he would ask to sit down, and he would explain to them how much he thought they should be giving to the church on a weekly basis. These are true stories, true stories. Another one, this was, this was one of my favorite ones, honestly. Um, I, I thought I might try it myself sometime. The pastor said, said he would have these, these blessing services where people would, he would invite people to come up, and they would throw money on the stage, and he would dance while they would play music in the background. I'm like, that just sounds like a lot of fun to me. Um, another one, this was by far the worst one out of the bunch, says everybody got to church one day and, and they locked the doors and the ushers blocked the doors until everyone there signed a commitment saying how much they would give to the church. <sighs> True stories. No wonder people don't want to come to church. They're like, I'm so afraid they're going to talk about, hey, if this is your first time, hi, welcome to Thrive Church. We're talking about money today. Um, you know, and, and we get kind of freaked out about these things. And, 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 but let me, let me just say this. Today, we're, we're not going to, you know, lay on the shame. There's not going to be any manipulation involved here. And I also want to clarify some things, too, because people have misconceptions about what happens even when you, when you donate to the church. You know, I, I had a guy, you know, he, he threw in some money. He says, you know, uh, I don't want you to take this money and, and go out and, uh, you know, buy some more hunting gear. I'm like, like, I don't just take the money out and go and do that. You know, I would go to jail for that, okay? So, so when, when you donate to the church, it comes to the church. I do get a salary. My salary is not based on what people give. It, it's not based on that because we have a board that says, hey, here's, you know, what we think that you're worth, and, and you know, and, uh, and, and that's what they do. And, and so it's not like we're going through, you know, fishing. Oh, here's a 20. Okay, I'm going to go to Dunkin' Donuts this morning. That's not how it works. When people give to the church, it goes into the ministry. You know, it costs money to, to, to keep the lights on and to, to plow and, and pay for facilities. But more importantly, that it's not just about buildings. It's about reaching people for the kingdom of God. See, every dollar that comes into, you know, our, our church or in many churches around, it, it goes directly into reaching people for the kingdom of God. Now, now I'm, not, I'm not saying that to try to twist your arm to give or nothing. That's not even what we're talking about. But I just wanted to clarify you know, when you do give, it's not like it's just, you know, we just sit around and say, okay, a 50 for you and a 20 for me, and, and, and it doesn't get divvied up that way, and, and, and that's not how things 
work at all. But, but today, I, I, I'm a, I have a couple commitments to you, okay, especially if you're new here. Now, this is going to be a guilt-free sermon. You know, guilt is a terrible, terrible motivator. Like, we don't want to do anything out of guilt. In, in fact, in your notes, we don't live under guilt. We live under grace. So, Today, this is not a guilt sermon. This is not you should be giving more. This is between you and God, and my goal here is to inspire you. See, God's radical generosity should inspire us to live a generous life. Another thing to keep in mind is that as a church, it's not that we want something from you. It's that we want something for you. We want something for you. We want you, I want you, to live a resilient life to live a life that has the ability to bend and not break. I want you to live a victorious, resilient, abundant life that is promised to us in Scripture. So many people have said, you know, I would trust God with my money if I had more of it. You know, if God would, you know, I have people say, just pray that God lets me win the lottery. If he does, I'm going to give a lot of it to the church. And I'm like, you're not giving anything now. You're not going to give anything then. And God doesn't give me the lottery numbers. I'm sorry to tell you that, okay? So if you buy a lottery ticket, you're on your own with that. You know, the average person in our country gives on average about 2% of their income towards any kind of charity work, any kind of generosity thing. And, and I don't think that's, that's terribly generous, to be honest with you. Like, that's just kind of the average. Now, I, all I can tell you is what God has done in my own life. From a very early age, I decided that, that I was going to just live a life uh, of, of having a baseline. I was going to give at least 10%. To, to God's work, and in some years, I would give far more than that if I, if I was able to do so. In some years, it was just, just barely that. And all throughout it, God has been faithful, and he's never let me or my family go without, even though we have, you know, four kids now and a home and all these crazy things. But God has been faithful because we put him first in our resources. He's called us to be generous. Generous people are resilient people. Resilient people are not hoarders. You know, resilient people are givers. They're open and generous. You know, there's three kinds of people in this world when it comes to generosity. First is, is the takers, right? And we all know people like this. Takers try to get as much as possible from other people. They're all about the freebies. They're the people that when you go to BJ's, they're doing laps around. You know, like, like oh, oh, I have another chip with, uh, you know, some salsa on it and going around. Oh, oh, you got a little pepperoni things. Oh, oh, you got a little, you know, hand sanitizer. No, thank you. I want to go to the next stage. And, and they're doing laps. I want to get as much as I can for free. Like, that, that's what a taker does. I, I just want as much for myself. Then there's the matchers, right? The matchers is like, if you do something nice for me, I have to do an equal value thing nice for you in return, right? It's like, like down to the dollar. Like you might know something, maybe you're like that, you know? Or, or if you do something nice for somebody else, right? I mean, th then you remember like, okay, hey, you did something nice for me, but it doesn't quite measure up. You know, I had a friend, you know, growing up, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I was kind of like more like an estimator when it would come to splitting bills and, you know, things like that. We go out to eat and I just kind of, like, yeah, you know, let's just kind of split it here. And then one day he's like, you know, you still owe me like a dollar 27. I'm like, for what? He's like, when we went out to eat last month, I'm like a dollar 27 for crying out loud. I'm like, here, take a $5 bill. He's like, no, it's like, oh, now I owe you like whatever it is. He liked math. I didn't like it that much. You know, the people, that they, they want things equal. And then there's the givers. Givers are the rare people who, who contribute to others without expecting anything in return. People who give generously without expecting to be repaid for it. 
In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Luke is speaking here and he says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. He's saying, Jesus said it's, it's more blessed to give than receive. The, the older we get, the more we understand this when it comes to things like birthdays and Christmas, right? Like at those times, I mean, sure, we, we like to, to maybe get some gifts, but if you have children, if you have someone you care about, it's, it's far more exciting to give them something. I want to give you something. I want to see your reaction to the gift that I'm going to give you. It's more blessed to give than receive. And yet some of us, though, when it comes to this idea of generosity, it's like more blessed to give. Like, I want more. I just want to get, get, get. I want more. I want somebody to give me what I deserve. I want more, more, more. That, that's the mind of a, of a taker. In your notes, a giver, though, looks to find opportunities to be generous. See, a taker maybe very occasionally will be generous if there's a specific request. Like, maybe they will. And, and someone who's equal, you know, like, like this, these, uh, you know, matchers, like, maybe they'll give occasionally if they find an opportunity. But a giver, a giver's actively looking for opportunities to be generous. Generosity is an attitude of the heart. How is, is, is our heart? Do we have an attitude of generosity? You know, I, I've never met somebody in my life that said, I wish I was less generous. Like, I never met anybody, especially as, as maybe they're on their deathbed saying, you know what, I just gave too much to other people. Like, nobody ever says that. They always say things like, I wish I was more generous. I wish I was more loving. I wish I shared things more freely instead of held on to things so tightly. Generosity is a value that all of us appreciate and value, whether or not we demonstrate it in our own lives. But it's a value that we know is important. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Give freely and become more wealthy? How is this possible? Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Lose everything. You know, if you're a miser, you know, you know what the root word of, of miserable is? Miser. If you're a miser, you're going to be miserable. You, you might be stingy and lose everything. And, and you might give freely and gain more wealth. It says in verse 25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. In verse 28, it says, trust in your money and down you go. We've all seen people who've trusted in their money. They've trusted in their investments. They've trusted in their portfolios and down they went. But he says, but the godly flourish like leaves in spring. The godly are resilient. The godly can bounce back. The godly are generous. For many, in your notes, for many people, generosity may actually bring about the spiritual breakthrough that you've been waiting for. Maybe, maybe it's our stinginess that's preventing God's blessing from flowing. See, God, it says here, he refreshes the generous. When you refresh others, when you're generous, you'll prosper and God's blessing will flow into your life. And he wants you to flourish and prosper and thrive. 
A generous person we see all throughout Scripture. God rewards a generous person. God blesses the generous. God prospers those who are generous. And it's not just about how much you give, but it's about what you do with what you have. And, and, and so that we don't get this confused, we're not giving simply to get a blessing in return. Oh, if I give, oh, I'm going to get a blessing in return. Okay, again, that comes back to being a matcher. If I give this amount, then, then I'm going to get blessed this amount. It's not about being a matcher. It's about, it's about having a generous heart. It's about giving out of love. We don't give, though, also out of compulsion. We don't give out of obligation, and we don't give out of arm-twisting. And this is where, where I have a problem with some of these, these contexts we just shared a few moments ago, how, how often it can be approached in church with this, with this manipulation and arm-bending, which it talks about in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. I mean, this makes sense for any of you who who uh, you know, have a garden or a farm, anything like that, you know if you plant one seed, you'll maybe get one plant. Uh, if you plant a bunch of seeds, you'll get a bunch of plants. Like, this makes sense. A farmer who plants a few seeds will get a small crop. One who plants generously will get a generous crop. And it says, though, in verse 7, you must decide, each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly, and don't give in response to pressure. If you ever feel like you're giving in response to pressure, don't give. If you're giving reluctantly, don't. Like, we're not here to twist your arm. We're not here to make you give something that you don't have or don't want to give. This is between you and God. It says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Can we give cheerfully? It says in verse 8, and God will generously provide all that you need. See, God becomes my supplier. God becomes my provider when I live a generous life. It's not simply my paycheck, it's God. He says, and God will generously provide all you need, and then you will always have everything you need, and even plenty left over to share with others. How can we live a generous life and still have plenty left over to share with others? See, God's blessings flow through a person who has a generous life and a generous life heart. In your notes, we give out of love and not out of compulsion. See, generosity is a heart issue. It's not a money issue. No, you know, if, if you're giving out of compulsion, that's for the wrong reason. Whenever we give out of, you know, at church, it's not out of guilt or obligation or duty or pressure. We don't, we don't guilt people. Here at Thrive, like that is our commitment. We will not guilt people to give. We don't do fundraisers. We don't do tag sales. We don't do anything. In fact, we kind of make it hard for people to give. Every week, it seems like somebody's like, well, how do I give? I'm like, there's a box. We hit it behind the door over there, and if you want, you can, you can give, but you don't have to. You're welcome to come free of charge. God's Word is available to you free of charge, but that being said, we've decided to trust God 100%. With the resources, we believe that God has given us a big vision to reach tens of thousands of people in our state and beyond. But, but we trust him to provide for that. And we trust that he will do the inspiring in your heart and in my heart to give freely and to give generously. So how much seed will we plant? You know, this past, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago, you guys might have seen in the news this whole thing with GameStop. You guys saw that? 
Like, I, I won't explain it to you because, uh, you know, that would take a while. If you understand it, you understand it. If you don't, then, then sorry. But, but here's the thing. GameStop, like, exploded in value, right? Like, like, almost overnight. Now, if you could go back in time, like a week and a half ago, how much money would you invest in GameStop? But like, like 10, uh, you know, I, I put 10 bucks in there for sure. I mean, probably buy you a half a share, 20 bucks. I think that was what the, the going price was back then. You know, oh, I'll, put a, I'll put 10 bucks. Uh, or we say, oh, I'll put $10,000 in there. I'll put, a, I'll put every dollar I can afford. I'll put it in there. Now, now, the key is, is you had to bail out of it really quick. You had to know right when it got to the peak, okay, now I'm out of here. You know, but, but if you did that, if, if we could go back in time, we would invest in that because we'd want a good return on our investment. Do you want a better investment than that? Look what Jesus himself says in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 19, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eats them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Has anything ever gotten rusted or destroyed or broken into or stolen in your life? You know, you have something, and you bought it. You bought this car, brand new. It was your, your pride and joy, and you drove it, and you drove it, and drove it, and now, you know, it's not even worth anything. You know, it's all rusted out, and it doesn't run anymore because as time goes on, these things tend to lose value. The things that we put our resources into often lose value. Says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves can break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. See, the only investment that lasts is what we invest into God's kingdom, what we invest into other people and helping them, you know, and being generous to other people. And, and, and when we invest in the kingdom of God, it pays rewards not only in this life, but in the life to come. So many people have this idea like, oh, you know, I just wish I could, you know, when I die and go to heaven, I just wish I could bring everything with me. I wish I could bring it all with me, you know. I mean, but, but like, well, what are we going to do with that? Like, like how, we, we can't bring our treasure with us to heaven. We can't bring it with us. You know, I, I heard of this, this guy, and he was like a miserly old guy, and, and he told his wife, he says, you know what, when I die, I want to be buried with all of my money. It's like, you're not getting a dime of it. It's like, I want you to put all the money that I've earned, I've worked so hard for, I want you to put it in the casket with me, and it's getting buried in the ground with me when I die. The woman was kind of distraught at this idea. And uh, anyhow, the day came where he, he did, you know, kick the bucket. He died. He was buried, and at the end, they're getting ready to bury, bury him, and she remembered this promise that she made to him, that she would bury him with all of the money that he had. So she went and she pulled out a check and she wrote him out a check and she threw the check in the casket and it was buried there. And some of you don't know how checks work because we don't use them anymore, but uh, he would only get it if he was able to cash that check. And, and see, we, we want to bring it with us, but we can't bring it with us. We can't bring our wealth with us, but what we can do is we can send it on ahead. We can send it on ahead. We can send it ahead. When you open up your hands to God, he opens up his arms to us. He pours out a blessing, Scripture tells us. In your notes, our generosity is a key that unlocks God's blessing. Now, I'm not going to say that God won't still bless you if you don't give, because God may still bless you. He may still bless you with things. But, but I do know this, that when we live a generous life, it's like the windows of heaven open up, and he blesses us. 
and he pours out blessings that we don't even have room to store. Now, we don't give just so we can get this blessing. We give out of a response of love for what God has done for us, but it unlocks his blessings. Every piece of money that we have, every dollar bill that we own, has imprinted on it, it says, in God we trust. I have right here. See, where, where does it say it? There we go. In God we trust. In God we trust. And yet, do we really trust God with our resources? You know, God is actually trusting us. Says, I'm going to pour resources into your life. I'm going to give you gifts and resources and talents and abilities, and I want you to use them to advance my kingdom. You might say, well, I don't have money that I can give, but I do have time. I do have energy. I do have talents that I can put into God's kingdom. See, God wants us to be generous with what he has given to us, to manage the resources he's given us, to, to multiply it, to advance his kingdom. If you walked into work tomorrow and, and your boss says, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a raise. Like, like what, what are the first thoughts that we have in our mind? I mean, this is a substantial, substantial race. What's the first thoughts? Like, like, oh, you know what? I can finally take that trip I've always wanted. And I can, I can finally get the car that I want. I, we can finally upgrade our house. But do we think, you know, you know what? Maybe I can help my neighbor who's having a hard time right now. Maybe I can give generously to this cause I believe in. Maybe I can help to advance God's kingdom. See, God wants his generous nature to flow through us. It flows in us and then flows through us. See, generosity is a byproduct of joyful living. If you know someone who's generous, you know someone who's joyful. In your notes, the givers are the happiest people in the world. The most miserable people are, are the takers. You know, and, and we see that even with this whole GameStop thing. There, there were some of these people out there and they thought they, thought they owned the game and they lost a lot of money. And, and they're, they're miserable, miserable people. But see, those who are generous, they live joyful lives. I'm going to close with this verse in John 12. So six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. If you don't remember that story, just a, a while earlier, Lazarus had died. He was, he was dead for four days. Jesus came and miraculously brought him to life again. So now Jesus is at Lazarus' home. They're hanging out. They're, they're having a, a meal together. Jesus arrived. And a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. And Martha served. And Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Verse 3. Then Mary took out a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. Now my, mine's not 12 ounces. But it is the essence of nard, and it smells really good. comes from the Himalayas, they say. It, it was, uh, it was a, a very costly perfume. It, it, it was just immeasurable, the expense. And, and you'd only need a little bit, bit of it to, to make you smell a little bit better. And, and here, Mary takes out a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anoints Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Now, number one, let's acknowledge that that was, must have been an awkward situation, right? Like, like, like this woman comes in, and here's Jesus the Messiah, and she just pours all this perfume and starts rubbing his feet with her hair. Like, that's awkward. Like, I'm like, hey, you know what? <laughs> I feel a little uncomfortable here, Jesus. Not sure this should be happening right now. 
He says, then the house was filled with the fragrance. And I'm just struck by this. Struck by the generosity. This, 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 this perfume that she had. That was so costly. And she simply pours it on Jesus' feet. She breaks his vase open and pours it on his feet. Costs her dearly. Have we ever poured something out like that for our Messiah? Have we ever given something of great value? Something that we treasured? This is one of the most treasured things I have. This is the one of the most treasured things I have. And what am I going to do with it? I'm not going to wear it for the next 20 years. I'm going to pour it out all at once on Jesus' feet. I'm going to pour it out. And I'm going I'm to rub his feet with my hair. She, she knew I could put it on myself and it's going to fade after a few hours. But I can, I can give it to him. And, and that's a treasure that will never fade away. That's a blessing that will never fade away. And here we are thousands of years later remembering this great gift, this great sacrifice. Final thing in your notes is that the only treasure that lasts is what you give away. It's the only treasure that lasts is, is what I can give to help someone in need. What I can give to help advance God's kingdom. I think if we could ask Mary, like how could you do that? How could you give this, this such a valuable gift. How could you just pour it out on his feet? I think she would say, it wasn't even a sacrifice, to be honest. What Jesus did on the cross, that's a sacrifice after what he's done for me. You see my brother over there? He was dead, and now he's alive again. And all I did was pour out a little bit of perfume on his feet. Like, look what Jesus did. He brought the dead to life again. I'm just giving him a little thank you out of love for what he's done for me. It wasn't a sacrifice. It was an opportunity to serve my king, to show appreciation, to worship my king. See, Generosity attracts God's blessings, and God loves when we are generous. So we need to let go of the things that we hold on to so tightly. Let go, let go, because God, He is a giver. And from the beginning, we see that God gave man breath, and God gave man life, and He gave him the animals, and He said, be fruitful and multiply. And all throughout the Scripture, we see that God is a giving God, and He's giving love, and He's giving compassion until we get to the part where it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that any of us who we believe we don't have to perish but we have everlasting life and he's given me breath and he's given me this God's son he's given us the Holy Spirit he's given us eternity he's given us so much and he's called us to follow his example and living a generous life today father we come to you now in Jesus name and we thank you we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your many blessings to us. You have given us so much. And so we give what we have to you. We say it's yours. We give it freely. My life, my home, my family, everything I am, it's yours anyway. And I give it back to you. I pour this out on your feet. Because you've done so much for me. If, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, Jesus loves you. God loves you. 
God loves you so much that he gave his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you, to pay the penalty of your sin, to give you everlasting life. And he says, all you need to do, you need to just call on my name and you'll be saved. Turn from your sin, call on my name. Will you do that? Will you take that step today? Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead and I turn from my old ways to follow you. God is a giver. Jesus is a giver. Lord, let us in turn be givers as well. Let us live a generous life, a life that seeks to advance your kingdom here in this earth. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done here as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.